Muslimun. يا أيها الناس واتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهم رجالا كثيرا والنساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحم إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا أيها الذين آمنوا واتقوا الله وكلوا كولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم وما يؤتي الله ورسوله فقد فوز فوزا عظيما عما بعد فإن استقوا حديثي كتاب الله وخير هدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وأشروا الأمور المتطاتها وكلوا متطات البدع وكلوا بدت ضلالة وكلوا ضلالة في النار قال الله سبحانه وتعالى في القرآن الكريم أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحاكم والتقاتر حتى زلت المكبر قال سوف تعلمون ثم قال سوف تعلمون قال الله تعلمون يوم يقين لا ترون الجحيم ثم لا ترون أين يقين ثم لا تسلون يوم يدين أني نعيم وقال الله أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والأصف إن الإنسان لا في خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا صالحتي وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ولو لكل همزات الهمزة الذي جمع مالان وعددا يسب أن مراه أخلدا قال لا ينبدان في هتما وما أدرك ما هتما نار الله المخدا التي تتاليو على الأفداء إنها عليهم متسدا في آمدين مناددا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال الدنيا معونة أعون ما فيها إلا ذكر الله وما ولا عالم ومتعلم وفي حديث الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم قال الدنيا سجن مؤمن وجنة كافر الحمد لله الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله الكريم وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين Earlier, the first khutbah, I attempted to give you the whole thing in Arabic. In the second khutbah, we'll give the translation of the meaning. Because without understanding, it doesn't have very much benefit. First of all, to give the translation of the meaning of the khutbah al-Hajj, the Prophet ﷺ used this, or similar to it, in almost every khutbah. And the Sahabi, the companions, after him followed with this same way, following the Sunnah. And this is reported in Nasai. He said that uh, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said that the Prophet ﷺ taught us the khutbah al as follows. And now I'll give you the translation of the meaning, inshallah. 
is to praise Allah, to seek his help and forgiveness, and then say we seek refuge with Allah from the evil of our own souls and of our bad deeds. Whoever Allah guides, nobody will misguide them, and whoever Allah lets go astray, nobody can guide them. To bear witness in open testimony, there's no God to worship except Allah alone, and to bear witness that Muhammad is his servant and messenger. And then he would recite these ayats from Quran, O you who believe fear Allah, as he should be feared, have taqwa for Allah, and don't die except as Muslimun, as Muslims. That's in Surah Al-Imran. Then, O mankind, be dutiful to your Lord, again, to have taqwa for Allah, who created you from a single soul, and from this soul created his mate, which is his wife, Eve, and from them both he created many men and women. Fear Allah through whom you demand your mutual rights, and don't cut the ties of relationship or the wombs that bore you. Surely Allah is the ever-watcher over all you do. This is from the beginning of Surah An-Nisa, chapter 4. O you who believe, have taqwa for Allah, and always speak the truth. And he will direct you to do righteous good deeds, and he will forgive your sins. And whoever obeys Allah and his messenger, Salaam, has indeed achieved a great achievement. That's in Surah Al-Hisab. <coughs> My bud, to proceed, for sure the best speech is in the book of Allah, and the best following is to follow Prophet Muhammad Wasallam. The worst of all deeds is the innovations in Islam, the innovations into the deen, and all of these innovations are going astray, and every astray uh, going is into the fire of hell. And may Allah save us from that. Amen. And this is actually taken from the uh, chapter or bab of the Kifaya al Khutbah, which is uh, in the book from uh, the Hadith scholar Nasruddin al Arbani. And this is a chapter he devoted to this with the Isnad or, or the narrations and his commentary. Then after I read this to you, what I did, I went to the Quran and I read three surahs, which are like three of my favorite surahs to talk about the subject of where we're going in this life and what's happening to us. The first one is uh, Surah 102 at the Kathar. It says, Al-Hakam at the Kathar, it says, The mutual rivalry amongst you for piling up worldly things has diverted you until you get to the grave. You become so distracted trying to get worldly things that you forget and you're going right straight to the grave without realizing what you're going to do. And then he says, Nay, you shall come to know. And again, Nay, you shall come to know. And if you knew with sure knowledge, and again, it means the result of piling up these worldly things, then you wouldn't have spent your time here doing that. Verily, you're going to see a blazing fire, which is hell. And again, you shall see this with certainty. Then on that day you're going to be asked about the delight that you had in this life. And there's a hadith that goes with this, and it mentions that the Prophet ﷺ went out one night, and he hadn't any food to eat, and he was out walking, and he encountered Omar, and he asked him what he was doing. He said, well, I'm out here just, you know, looking, and no food to eat. He said, I'm out here for the same reason. They encountered then Abu Bakr, and found that he was out for the same reason. They went to the house of one of the Ansari, one of the helpers there in Medina. He wasn't home, so uh, they waited for him. And when he returned, then he was very excited. He said, nobody has anything better than me today in the way of guests, honored guests. 
and he wanted to prepare something for them. So immediately he gave them uh, some, uh, I believe it was milk and dates, which gave them milk and dates, which they then consumed while he went out to kill a sheep. The Prophet ﷺ told him, don't kill a milk sheep. And then after having this delightful meal, they were back out again from the house of the Ansari, and Omar radiallahu anhu is reported to have said to the Prophet there's something about how this is a good meal and they enjoyed it and then the Prophet said to him you were going to be asked about this he said will we even be asked about such small things as you know the food we eat or meals like this it's nama from Allah is the word in Arabic means a big favor of Allah and that's when this verse was revealed that you're going to be even that you're even going to be asked about these these things in this life. So this is certainly uh, a place for me to begin the khutbah is to talk about us, what we're doing here and gathering up so many things. I'm going to skip the Surah Al-Asr and jump to the next one for a reason and I'll come back to that and show you why I did that in a minute. The second uh, Surah here that I'm going to talk about is called Walulikulli Humazat Al-Humazat or Al-Humazat. And it says that this when it says kulli, like this it means uh, woe unto each and every one of and then it begins to tell you in the Quran this uh, wail or this uh, uh, woe to every slandering backbiter I'm going to stop right there and not even go any further until we talk about that what is this that when a person slanders other people talking behind their back about them even if it's true this is still against Islam. The Prophet ﷺ spoke heavily against that. Ghiba, backbiting. And they even asked him, they said, yeah, but what if it's true? He said, that is ghiba. Because it's not true, then this is even worse. That's a lie that you're spreading about somebody. So it says, slandering and backbiter, somebody who's doing this. The one who gathers his wealth and counts it. So we're back to that subject again, going after this hayat the dunya, the material things. He thinks his wealth is going to save him and going to make him last forever. Nay, verily, he'll be thrown into the crushing fire. And this is the way they translated this word, al-hutama. Uh, it said a crushing fire. And then Allah asks you a rhetorical question. It's rhetorical. You're supposed to figure it out. And what will make you know what the crushing fire is? It's the fire of Allah, kindled, which leaps up over the hearts of men. And verily, it will close in on them in pillars stretched forth and they'll be punished in this fire with these pillars of fire and in one of the explanations I heard about this one it said that these pillars are not just going up and down like columns but also across ways like the bars of a prison or even underneath the person they're everywhere everywhere surrounding them in this fire and may Allah save us from it then the next sort of it is actually in between the two and that's why I wanted to come back to you and show it to you this way because most of you memorized this soil when you were small boys or girls <laughs> and, I, and I know that you say it so much you probably don't think about the meaning of it and that's why I want to show you it's nestled between these other two what did these two soils mean anything to you or not? did you hear them? did you understand what he's talking about? now listen to what's buried right in the middle of these two soils well us 
And the Lord swears by the passage of time. This is something we don't even know what it is. The passing of time. Look how fast Ramadan went by. Was it fast? Yes or no? So fast. Well, Lord, and so, how about when you sit at the doctor's office, though, and wait and wait and wait? That's so long. That was longer than Ramadan. And, well, Rahi, I'm not trying to make you laugh in this jewel. I'm just trying to make you think. We don't know what is the time, and Allah is swearing by time. Just saying, well, Allah, Allah saying that alone should make us get real scared of whatever he's going to say next. And he said that, in that every single one of the creation of his human beings are going to go to hell. And Khusr doesn't mean hell, it means a state of bankruptcy, but naturally it means you're not going to be able to pay up on the day of judgment, and as a result, you're being in a horrible loss and be in the hellfire, and may Allah save all of us from that Amin. And this is just the opening statement. This is the opening statement. Well, us, Inul Insan Alafi Khusr. The next ayah says it all. Illa, except for those who come to the right belief, the Iman and Allah, and do the Amul Salihat, the deeds of righteousness. And this means based on Quran and Sunnah. Not just something that somebody says, well, this is a righteous deed, I'll make it up and do it myself. No, it has to be according to Quran and Sunnah. And these people also will remind and exhort each other about the haqq of la ilaha illallah, reminding each other about the truth of worshipping none but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as one God. And also that they will encourage and exhort each other to do what? To be steadfast persevering and patient in all matters. Then after mentioning this surah, it should be enough for us to reflect on the two that are around it. This big warning coming from Allah. And certainly this idea of material wealth is a, a problem for us here in this country. It's a big problem for us. And that's why I quoted the two hadith of the Prophet And he said, in this case, and this is a good hadith, he said, and you can find it in Riyadh Salahin, and I believe it's also in Al Arba'in, yes. And it mentions this subject of the Hayat dunya the material world. When he said that all the material existence carries a curse of Allah on it, except for that which remembers Allah. Okay, meaning what? Meaning things that you go after to try to capture these things are actually going to be cursed by Allah unless it's something that helps you to remember Allah. In other words, it's a distraction away from Allah. Naturally, it's going to be cursed by Allah. Adunya ma'unatun a'una ma'fiha. Except for, except for the things that remind you of Allah. Now, what reminds us of Allah? And there are many things which can remind us of Allah. When we look to His creation and think about Allah, that's obviously one. We look to ourselves and know Allah created us, that's another one. When we consider his book, the Qur'an, certainly that should make us think about Allah. The Hadith and the Sunnah of Muhammad a righteous person and we think about them trying to do good deeds, somebody trying to spread Islam, that should make us think about Allah, that's good. He said, except for what reminds of Allah and an alim, a knowledgeable person in Islam and a student of knowledge, one who is seeking this knowledge. And may Allah make us of all of these, all of the above. Those that remind of Allah, those that are seeking knowledge, and those that have knowledge, I mean. So, the next hadith which I mentioned is one of my most favorite of all because I spend a lot of time in the prisons going to so many people to help them get to Islam. It says, Adunya Sijna Mu'min wa Jannatul Kafra. And it means that the material existence is a prison 
to a true believer. A true believer is in a prison while he's in this existence. But it's the only paradise for a disbeliever. And what's the truth behind that? And I ask you to consider it. In prison, you're not dead. It's not a fire. So the Prophet Islam didn't compare this life to a fire. He didn't compare it to hell. He compared it to what? A prison. Why? Okay, in a real prison, when you go to a prison, and I've been in many of them, the first thing is you can't go where you want to go. That's the whole idea of being in prison. So as a Muslim in this life, there are places we're not allowed to go. Isn't that true? We're allowed to go to a lot of places, but there are some places we're not allowed to go. You don't go there. Stay out of there. Okay? Don't go there. Food and drink. In a prison, you're not allowed to eat and drink what you want. You're going to eat and drink what you're served. Is that true? And in this life, don't we have a similar experience? Isn't it? Are you allowed to drink anything? Uh -uh. Comma. No, you can't drink wine. You can't drink alcohol. Food? No, we don't eat meat that's not having a last name on it when it's slaughtered. We don't eat meat that dies of itself or find it out on the road. We don't eat pork. We don't eat certain animals, certain creatures. Is that true? Okay, so another limit, isn't it? Clothing? In prison, they assign certain clothing to you. You wear this or this, and that's pretty much it. And you will be covered up. Is it the same way in this life for us? Yep, same thing. We have a dress code. We can't just run around naked and we can't just wear anything we want to either. Even jewelry is something that you don't have the privilege of in the prison. And certainly there are types of jewelry that we as Muslims can't wear. Is that right or wrong? So do you see the comparison? Pretty good, huh? Let's go to the second part of it though. He said though that this is a jinnah for who? For the kufar. Non-believers. People that deny Allah love to get their paradise here. Their jinnah, their paradise is here, right? Yes. They want a big car? Allah give it to them. They want a nice mansion? Allah give it to them. Money? Power? Position? Allah can give it to them. Easy. In fact, you might be surprised the more evil they do, it looks like Allah's giving them more and more and more. Why? Some of these kafar, they're so bad, and yet Allah gives them so much in this life. Some of them are the very enemy to Allah, and Allah gives them so much. Why? On the other hand, we find some very good people, believers, hard work, dedicate their whole life to just pleasing Allah, and yet they get diseases, they lose their children, they have horrible accidents, even get burned up in a fire. How could such a thing happen? And in one of our CDs, one of our tapes, we have dedicated to this subject called Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? It's called The Beauty of Islam. I didn't bring that one with me, but I hope you go online. They're free. You can go to our website and get this story. But I'll give you the summary of it right now in this short khutbah. There's a hadith of Rasul Sallallahu And he was telling his companions about two people who come on the day of judgment. Now, one of these people went through his entire life getting everything he wanted from the time he was born until the time he died. Anything he wanted, Allah give it to him. He never had a hard day once. Whatever he asked for, Allah give it to him. Even when he was going to die, he asked for a meal to be set before him and he got to eat it. 
The old person had nothing that he wanted to the whole life. From the time he was born till the time he died, he got nothing that he asked for. Even when he was going to die, he asked for a glass of water, and he didn't get to drink that before the angel of death, Malcolm o, took his soul. Then the one who had everything would be pushed into the hellfire the way you put a pin into something and pull it out. And then he'd be asking your whole life. This is the one who had everything. In your whole life, did you ever see anything good? He said, well, what? in my whole life I never saw anything good. That one split second in hellfire wiped out his entire memory of everything in this life that he had that was good. And he had everything he asked for. The other person who had nothing, that might experience so much fitness in this life, but he'd be put into the gender like you put a pin into something and pull it out, and then he'd be asked the question, in your whole life, did you ever see anything bad? And he'd say, well, why in my whole life, I never saw any bad. The companions of Muhammad Sallallahu they wanted to know about this. They had some questions. Why would Allah give somebody everything and then put him in hell, and then give somebody else a hard time and put him in the Jannah? Well, you know, how does that work? Prophet Sallallahu communicated to us that nobody is perfect. Obviously, nobody's perfectly good, but also nobody's perfectly bad either. In the case of the first person, actually he was very bad. Allah hated him. He was the worst of the worst kind. But he did do some good deeds. His good deeds that he did in this earth, even though he doesn't believe in Allah, even though he denies Allah, yet he did some charitable acts. Something considered a good deed here. So Allah gave him all of his reward here so he would not even smell the paradise. And he would be thrown into the hellfire. In the case of the other one though, this man actually was very good. Allah loved him so much. But he did make some mistakes. He did some bad deeds. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not want him to even smell the hellfire even for one second. So he let him have all of his punishment in this life. So that on the day of judgment he could go straight into paradise. And this is a big rahmah of Allah. A big mercy of Allah. Let's go back and look again and think, 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 think. Those three stories that I read to you, do they not communicate to us exactly what our problem is? That we're out here chasing after the almighty dollar instead of almighty Allah. Isn't it? And aren't we seeking after this in God we trust dollar bill more than we are trusting an Allah. And the Prophet ﷺ was even asked one time, tell us something about the deen that only you could tell us. He said, Kul Say, I put everything into the trust of Allah and then be steadfast on what you said. So we're putting our trust in the wrong thing. Do you think Allah likes that? When we chase after money, when we chase after the material things of this world, is this going to please Allah? Is it? Or is it going to get us in trouble? And then we wonder, why did this happen to us? Why do we have this difficulty? How come Muslims are being punished all over the world? Why did this and this and so and so, why did it happen? And I think we already know the answer before we ask the question. We already know. Because nothing happens except it comes from Allah, isn't that true? Didn't Allah say, I created you and what you do? Didn't he? So if it happened, it came from Allah. And if it didn't happen, that's also from Allah the same way. And you say, well, why doesn't Allah answer our du'a? And I'll share with you this final 
hadith of the Prophet This is a hadith Qudsi because he said that a lot talking about this that how could the one who comes up out of the desert with his hair all disheveled and his clothes are in a mess and he comes up and he's, his food is haram and his drink is haram and his money is haram and his clothes are haram and he raises his hands and he said Ya Allah, Ya Allah, Ya Allah and Allah says this listen how am I going to answer his dua? how? one of the things I always do when I leave a community I always ask them to make dua for me but I condition it I say please make acceptable dua for me and they say what does that mean? I say well it means that <laughs> you have to do things allowed. Your food, your money, your drink, your clothes, everything you do is supposed to be halal. Then and only then can you look for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to answer your dua. And is that the problem we have? I hope inshallah that we take some benefit from this talk today and I hope inshallah Allah make me of the people that got the benefit from it because I probably need this speech more than anybody here. All of us, all of us have this problem with the Hayat dunya We're so in touch with this, but we're not in touch with Allah. We're so much in touch with this idea of just what I can get my hands on, get my bank account built up for a rainy day. Well, it's raining, so take your bank account now and see what you can do with it. I'm suggesting, in summary of everything I said today, that we do two things. Number one, we spend more time, which is all you really have is time. The risk is from Allah. But you do have some time that Allah is giving you. But to spend this time, rather than chasing after the dollar, chase after your family. Spend time with your children. Spend time with your parents. Spend time with your wives and your husbands. And be close to them. And let this be what you uh, work for in this life instead of chasing after these material things because they won't benefit you. Spend time with the family and spend time with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Try your best to find yourself in this masjid, not just during Tarawih, not just during Ramadan, not just during the Jummah, but find yourself in this masjid every night and every morning. And remember the famous hadith of Rasulullah when he mentioned that the hardest on the munafikin, the hypocrites, is to pray the Isha and the Fajr in the masjid in the Jummah. And if you don't find yourself praying the, the Fajr here tomorrow morning, then ask yourself, then what am I? What am I? If I'm not a hypocrite. So we ask Allah to make it so that these words will be a benefit to us. Not just here, now, but when we go through this door, when we go out in this world, we're going to change. We're going to be after Allah instead of after what He created. This is the phrase I want you to think about. Worship the Creator not his creations. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasan wa fil akhirati hasan wa fina dabinar amin. Rabbana la tuzikulu bana bada idha daytana warhad lana mila dukra wakmayna khantu warhad amin. Allahumma inni zulamtu nafsi dhulman kathirin wa la yabfru dhunubi ila ant fakfirli makfiratamin indiku rahamni ana khantu kufur rahim amin. Allahumma salli ala muhammad wa ala ala muhammad kama salli ta'ala ibrahim wa ala ala ibrahim ana khamidin majidam amin.